I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Mike Hardy. Mike's a true renaissance man. He's an Ironman, a student pilot, a real estate investor, sought after speaker and leadership expert, a fund manager and a business coach for mortgage and real estate professionals. Uh, he's currently focused on helping investors with capital gains defer and eliminate their taxes with opportunity zone investing. Um, Mike, let me start by just saying thank you. Thank you for coming uh, coming on the show today, taking the time out on this uh, rainy Southern California <laughs> afternoon. We're, we're both <laughs> we're both experiencing it, but th- thank you very much. Absolutely, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking outside and uh, not the normal California view, no. but uh, no. it's it's kind of fun and uh, we'll shake it up a little bit. So, looking yeah. forward to our conversation. Thanks for a little, having me. Little darker than we're both used to, but at uh, at three o'clock in the afternoon. But anyway, let's start and just let you. Uh, I want you to kind of tell us your story, tell us your background, um, let us get to know you, um, and then we'll dive into some of the topics. Yeah, sounds good. I'm I'm um first of all, I'm a I'm a husband of 25 years and father of four. My my kids are uh 21, 19 adult kids and my and then my two in high school, 16 and 14. And so it's there's there's no lack of activity or excitement in any area of life. Uh, but I'm also a serial entrepreneur and have an internal drive that is just set to achieve and grow. So um that's uh, that's sort of at a, at a broad strokes level, but I've been in the real estate and mortgage banking space for for about twenty years now, um, and I actually was a pre med major in under uh, in college. I was pre med and and realized after my I'd finished the majority of the core courses that I had I didn't have any desire to go to medical school at all. I really didn't enjoy it. So, I, but I had finished the degree, um, ended up getting a business minor, and then. Um, went through uh, UCLA has a, a like a financial planner um, track, and so I went through their track on my Series Seven and worked as a financial advisor for about five or six years, until I found the world of um, you know mortgage and real estate, and so that's sort of my backdrop was was looking at the the what I kind of what I found to be a blue ocean strategy, just the unlimited opportunity in real estate but with some formal training as a financial advisor. So that's kind of how all this got started. And it's been quite a, been quite a journey. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, those, uh, I guess with the exception of the pre-med pre-med background, you know, sort of that all, uh, sort of works to well together in terms of, of skill sets. Um, how did you start? I mean, after you got that, you know, series of, Talk to us a little bit about that sort of journey, that progression, and, and what you're doing now. Sure, yeah. It's so when I when I got started, I I had a friend of mine that he was in the mortgage space when I was a financial advisor. We were young guys, you know. We're gonna we're gonna take over the world, and we just have these joint marketing lunches where we talk about what's possible and how to build wealth and create opportunity and find new clients and all those things. And one day, I just kind of got curious about the world of mortgage banking and. I remember asking him like, what are you, what are you allowed to do? How does, how does your world work? 
And he was really good on the sales front, didn't particularly like enjoy the business aspect of it. And I came to realize that all the training I'd been through, just the real estate side was kind of all but ignored. And and it, and and my aha moment was at one point when he had a client that had a, a number of properties and somebody wanted to do a refinance. I just got curious and I started pressing and asking questions. And this particular scenario, it turned out that a, pro a client of his had you know, I'm asking, you know, what's the, how many properties they have and what's the debt and are, are you allowed to cash out and what are the programs like? And through a series of questions, I got curious enough to build out a spreadsheet because I wanted to understand how inefficient this particular client was and work through this and realize that the, in this scenario, that there was, this client had the opportunity to pick up about $15,000 a year of risk-free return by restructuring debt according to what was available compared to what he had in place with a series of different properties. And so I'm thinking $15,000 a year of risk-free return. Are you kidding me? There's a world of inefficiency that exists with real with investors and with people that hold real estate that don't effectively and strategically manage debt. And so that kind of like piqued my interest. And so for about two years, I thought, you know what, maybe I want to get into the mortgage space. And I ended up getting in right in like 2002, just as the, at the front of a massive refinance wave, of course, you know, we all, we all know the, the, the backstory. And so I had more business than I could handle right out of the gate, just by taking a different approach, telling clients if they shouldn't refinance, helping them understand like, you know, healthy leverage, risk management. And, and so it just took off from there. So I ended up putting my, the, the series seven on the shelf and then ended up, didn't, didn't, you know, renew it and just never looked back. And that was the start in 2002 after, you know, five, six years of working as a financial advisor. Okay. And this was residential or commercial? Or both? All residential. Yeah. This was residential for me. And yep. So I mean, 2002, you know, sort of lead, you know, the, the few years after that, like you said, you had, you had all the work you could handle. Then we went through the Great Recession. So I, I'm assuming there's some sort of story there or a reset or something like that associated with with being in the mortgage industry. I happen to have uh, an uncle who was <laughs> in the mortgage industry before and was no longer in the mortgage industry after. So um, what what's your... What, how did that all, you know, sort of hit you, I guess? Hopefully oh, yeah, there's a, there's a story there for sure. So, you know, what, one of all, there's, so there's some more lead up from that. I started doing real well in the mortgage front and then made the decision. I'm like, you know, why not control the flow of business on the purchase side? And, and had a friend of mine that was a trainer for a real estate office, you know, two young guys. So we decided we we're going to open up a real estate company together. So we opened up a real estate company, Century 21 office and, and, you know, started growing. And I think we had up to about 45 agents at one time. And then, um, you know, I thought, you know, how hard can it be? Let's open up an escrow company as well. I mean, we might as well control the flow of business and open up an escrow company, started, you know, co collecting and, and growing on the escrow front. Um, and then approached the owner of the financial planning firm I was with and thought, you know what, there's all these opportunities for bridge loans. Um, and creative financing that just sort of, you know, we we're working with investors. So um, it just, you know, the entrepreneur side just started growing and growing. And so this is now about 2005, 2006. And I realized that I'm really kind of mediocre at everything. And I had this, this, you know, come to Jesus moment where there's a lot going on. 
Some of it's doing really well. Some of it's not doing really well. It was a management nightmare. I'm a natural visionary, not a natural manager. Um, and just there was, it was too much. And I wasn't, I didn't, we weren't really good at any area. We were just doing a whole lot of business and there was a lot of chaos. And so made the decision, if I could do it all over again, what would I do and what would I do different? And I thought, you know what? I love the mortgage side. I would start fresh and I would be an expert on the mortgage side. I would work with financial advisors since I know that language, help them and their clients sort of be an extension of their team and manage debt. And so we sold the real estate franchise and wound down, started to wind down the escrow company. This is, and the world was weird and I was keeping an eye on things and I had no crystal ball by any means, but it's just, things didn't feel right. Um, and so ended up very fortunately having sold the real estate franchise, got caught with a lease. It probably took about a, a year and a half to clean up the mess. Once the great recession just, you know, leveled everyone instead of, you know, five to seven years of cleanup. So um, ended up fortunately during some good years, saving my money and, uh, and I was able to get through, had, you know, some great contracts in place, some great operations team really didn't take any income for a window at time, uh, but was able to keep the doors open and, and, um, you know, keep, keep holding on, so to speak. And then at one point looked around, everyone else is out of business. The federal funds rate dropped 50 basis points. I remember there's emergency meeting, um, you know, there's, there was economic concerns, of course, mortgage rates and yields plummeted and got a flood of refinance business. And so, and, and so that was like just a crazy time because I didn't go out of business. It was very close, um, had already shut down the real estate and the escrow company and wound down the fund for the most part for some of these little projects we were doing. But my big lesson there was to be excellent at one thing. And to then, you know, I've learned some lessons from there to then create like nutritional value. And I had spread myself way too thin before, but that's the story. Um, and a lot of life lessons there. I mean, I learned more during that 18 months of going through an economic storm than any of the schooling I've ever been through, been through just the real life. I need to figure out how to survive and I will find a way and I will make it, but that was, uh, you know, that was some heavy lessons for a young guy to go through um, and then came out the other side and have from that time, you know, just built a top 1% production team. And, you know, now we train and we train uh, loan officers to build business with intention and have work-life balance and help them develop personally and professionally in addition to the best practices of running a you know, running a, a business as a loan officer. So that's what it's built into. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. But I mean, some really good points there. And and whether you, whether you were seeing it in your crystal ball or not, the idea of getting sort of really hyper-focused on that one thing and being excellent at it, I think uh, obviously it worked out fortunately for you in, in terms of the timing and, and maybe helped, maybe helped you on the back end of the, of the recession. But but also a good idea, like sort of in all facets, right? A good idea for for people to be thinking about. I think we we get uh, in, in entrepreneurs in general, as you said, you're you're that visionary, and a lot of entrepreneurs do tend to be that visionary. And unless you have really good integrators around you to sort of take that vision and make it make it run, it's it's hard to do a whole bunch of different things well. So um, I think that's that's a, a 
good piece of advice and a, and a timely piece of advice, I think, you know, given, given what we're, where we're at right now in, in the market cycle. Um, you, you mentioned there, you touched on, and, and we talked about a little bit before we started recording, but you talked about sort of that work-life balance. Um, and I know you said you have four kids and, and I, I don't think this is an uncommon thing that people struggle with. I certainly do. Uh, I struggle with, with, you know, sort of that balance between, you know, family time and work time and, and feeling guilty, no matter which one I'm doing, if I'm <laughs> spending time with family, I'm feeling guilty that I'm not getting work done and vice versa. So <clears throat> talk to us about that a little bit. Talk to us about your approach. What, you know, what have you used to, to sort of manage that, that, those challenges? Sure. Uh, so I follow a program called the core four. That is something that provides guardrails for me in life. And I'll just walk through like the framework of what this is. And it's a little bit of a sort of best kept secret I found. Um, and it's just, there's a great irony to this that a lot of people get into real estate or mortgage because they see it as a path to freedom, but then they end up becoming a slave to the business, mm -hmm. which makes no sense whatsoever. And maybe they're doing real well financially, but they don't have a life per se. And so I'm a believer that we always need to have a business vision that serves a bigger and broader personal vision, personal vision. And so one of the things that's helped me tremendously is a following this daily, what's called core four and core four is four different areas of life that every single day, I'm going to be intentional about investing in these four different areas. And I'll walk through kind of what they are, but it's, you know, the first one is the body side, you know, and body and fitness. The second one is the being side, and it could be, you know, spirituality and faith. Um, the third one is balance, and that is, you know, relationally and family. And then the fourth one is the business side, you know, and then your finances. And so what never made sense to me is I watched a lot of guys that in one area of life, or maybe two, they were successful, but it didn't totally fit. So, and I'll give you an example. Like I'd see the one guy that was just killing it in business, but, you know, he's on the verge of a heart attack because he doesn't take care of himself or third marriage, you know, it's like, it just, it just makes no sense. Or then there's a guy that's just shredded and ripped and as healthy as it gets, but he can barely afford the gas to get to the gym, you know? And so there's all these disconnect. And so my thought was how, how to do all of these things well in a way where you're building foundation, the foundation is always growing and expanding in all these areas, as opposed to growing in one area and then it cracks and it falls over and you start clean up the mess and start over in a sense. And so the core four is really simply this every single day on the body side, uh, exercise. And I do this for every day. I mean, in, you know, short of like when I had COVID there's few, but it's, it's really rare that I miss. And even to the point where it doesn't have to be something that is over the top. Like I, I have what I call the 1% rule, which means Every day I can do 50, it's, which is 15 minutes. Like if you look at 1% of the day, it's 14 minutes and like 30 seconds or so, if you break it down plus or minus. So if I can't find 1% of my day to take care of my body, which is the one machine I have, that's going to get me through a hundred years of life. It's like driving a car, never putting fuel or never changing the oil or never checking any of the, you know, the fluids. It just, it doesn't make sense. Right. So that's like my maintenance, 1% of the day on the body side. Then on the being side, if I don't take some time each day for a little bit of prayer time, sitting in silence to just listen and feel and think, and then a little bit of time for, you know, I've got my journal here, a little bit of time for journaling. I, 
I feel like that is the biggest waste of a life because you can be busy your entire life and not productive because you're not doing things that are meaningful. Okay. So that's the being side. The balance side is on the relationship side, doing something every single day intentionally that lets my wife know and my kids know that I care about them and that I love them. And it's sometimes it's really small and really quick, but it's just intentional daily, like daily deposits in a sense. And then the business side, the business is called discover and declare which means every single day I learn something new about my craft and I teach it to someone else. Maybe it's a video, maybe it's to my team and we've got a team about 25 people. So maybe it's a, you know, a webinar that we're doing. We do a lot of webinars on like state of housing and is real estate going to crash and stuff like that. Like a lot of webinars. Um, and then maybe it's to my kids. My kids are silent investors with me on fix and flip projects at times. So it's like, Hey, here's how this works. I want you to learn with, from me, what you're not learning in school about how, wealth building works. So that's the discover and declare side. So yeah, that core four has been invaluable for me because it gives me these guardrails where even when I don't feel like it, I can at least do my 1%. And that's going to keep me from going backwards and allow me to at least at minimum kind of get a first down in each area um, each week. And I, I noticed, you know, sort of the, the 1% rule makes a lot of sense. And in, in I guess my question behind that is, is I think that's an easy thing to apply to like exercise or even meditation or reading or something like that. Mm -hmm. But is, if you say you've got a one, you know, 1% that if it's 15 minutes, you, you basically just broke it, broke down an hour in a day. So likely I'm guessing, you know, spend a lot more hours than that at work, or you might spend, you know, more hours with the family one day or, or whatever it is. How do you, how do you take that core four and, and like expand it out? And because I think if you're, I guess my point being, if you were like, okay, I do this and I do 1% and everything, but then I spend 10 hours a day working and I, and I just make sure that I do 15 minutes of these other things that, that doesn't sound especially balanced. I get that you're doing something every day, but, but what do you do? to look at that from a broader picture, I guess. Yeah. So I like to integrate all of these things together. I had a mentor of mine talk to me about the concept of stacking, which is you find multiple different things that you want to accomplish and see, instead of having it be three or four separate things, can it be aligned together? So I'll give you like an example of this. Um, at one point I was really curious about the book of Proverbs and I wanted to go through it. And I also wanted to exercise and I also wanted time with my buddies and so we created a, we, we, ended, I went to the local fitness gym, talked to the trainers and said, Hey, do you mind if we come in and you give us like a brief training session on something? And then we have a speaker come in and, you know, talk about, you know, book of Proverbs or whatever it is. And they said, no, fantastic. Free exposure for them. You know, we worked it out. And so now in a 45 minute window, um, I was able to get my exercise in, have go through and learn something new. And then have time, we'd go out for coffee or whatever afterwards, hang time with my buddies um, all at one time, right? So that's a creative thinking. I think a lot of this comes from in, like, I feel like so many people work hard, but they don't think hard. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, there's all this working and all this stuff. And if, 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 if people just like slow down and look at ways to integrate and, and flow, then you could accomplish 10 times what you would otherwise and have way more fulfillment overall simply by, you know, just taking the time to think. And I call it zero-based thinking. If me, if life depended on me figuring out a way to do all these things at once, what would it look like? 
you know, and then give myself the creative permission to like go down and walk through that exercise. So that's one example that is a way to, you know, to do stacking and solve multiple things at once. Yeah. I like that concept. I think, uh, you know, I think there's there's a simple example of like, okay, I'm going to exercise and that, that might mean going for a run or, or, you know, bike ride or something. And also I'm going to listen to an audio book or, you know, just like something to, uh, combine those things and effectively, you know, sort of make maximize that time when you're, um, when you're looking at this and I, I know you said your, your kids are, um, silent investors in some of these deals. Are you looking at this as, as integrating or stacking like family time by having them, uh, a part of the business? Because I know, you know, some people feel very strongly don't, you don't miss mix family and work. Some people think it's good. I, what, what's your take on that that topic? You know, it's probably case by case, but anytime there's a window of opportunity for me to like connect with my kids and teach them something, um, I I will take that up and twice on Sunday. So I'll go out of my way to help them, you know, figure out and understand this life and the opportunities exist and what a gift it is to be alive and just to look at the world a little bit differently. So um, from an integration standpoint, um, yeah, it's like, you know, my, my kids are, my kids are, uh, 21, 19, 16 and 14. And so, um, I actually, I'll tell you one, one thing that I've done and I'm doing, starting to do some more, more and more, but there's certain books that if they will read that book and then write up a summary of the lessons they've learned for, from it, I'll give them, I'll pay them to do it. I'm delighted to. So like my 16 year old, just for example, he just read, um, the richest man in Babylon. And then he wrote up a report and I actually used his report to, as a teaching tool for a, you know, a, a presentation that I was doing, you know, just talking about wealth building and some of the key principles. I go, here's a lesson from my 16 year old and walked him through what I did. Right. So yeah. I think all of these things can integrate together and yeah, by all means, I mean, what you don't ever want to do is, is, you know, enable on the family side through business. But I do think that there's windows of time where, there can be massive and deep, impactful teaching opportunities by having some level of integration. Yeah, love that idea. Will you talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned in your bio, uh, your opportunity, opportunity zone uh, investing. We, we talk a little bit about that and, and, and kind of, I'm familiar, but maybe some of the listeners aren't. So maybe talk about you know, sort of the background behind opportunity zones and, and um, some of the associated benefits. Yeah, for sure. So, so I stumbled upon this by accident. Um, I was doing a, uh, the backstory is I was doing a presentation to CPAs, financial advisors, and real estate professionals on just sort of creative real estate tax and wealth building strategies. And we had organized a bunch of different experts and this was about four years ago. And so we had a 1031 exchange expert. We had somebody that was talking about the 721 provision, which, you know, moves it into securities, but on a, you know, sort of 1031 strategy, it's like a one-way street, but still pretty cool. We're talking about Delaware state trusts. We're talking about charitable remainder trusts and charitable lead trusts. And there's this new kid on the block that was just came out through the 2017 tax act called opportunity zones. We couldn't find an expert and it was pretty new. It's just, there's nobody that knew anything about it. And so I said, you know what? I will do, I will take that portion of the talk and everyone else is an expert. And I said, I'll do it as an interested investor. We'll have a caveat to it. You know, I don't want to be disingenuous with the presentation, but here's another strategy y'all should look into and think about. 
So because of that, I had to spend three weeks of my life in the tax law, understanding what this animal was and did the presentation. And then, you know, next week or two, I'm thinking, this is amazing. Why are more people not doing this? And so long story short, um, have some fun management experience in my background, just, you know, back, backstory to that and realize that there's a window of time between 2018 and 2026 for investors. Here's the benefit of the opportunity zone for investors that have, let's say a, a busted 1031 exchange or capital gains from, could be from securities, could be capital gains from anywhere, but it's ideal in real estate to be able to take those gains and instead of pay tax on them, move them into a qualified opportunity zone fund. And what you effectively end up doing is you defer having to pay tax until 2027. And all of the growth that takes place inside of that fund, as long as it stays there for a 10-year window, you can pull it out once a year if you need to, but as long as it stays there for a 10-year window, all of the growth will exit tax-free, very much like a Roth IRA. Like mind-blowing, best thing I've ever seen in a, in 100 years in the tax code. So, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, why are more people not doing this? And come to find out, lots of people are, but it's the ultra elite family offices. I mean, you know, the, they, they do this all the time. It just never makes its way down to Main Street. And so my thought was here, I, you know, comparatively, I'm a little guy investor. I'm doing a lot of projects, but I'm still a quote, little guy from family office type thinking, but I can do this. And so put together the fund. And now we're about two, two and a half years in, and it's just, it's going really well. And it's off the radar because it's off the radar from financial advisors because it's not products they sell. Most CPAs are kind of backwards looking, not so much like really aggressive forward tax planning. So very mm -hmm. few CPAs really get it. And then most real estate investors, it's just, it's not simple to set up a fund. It's just, it's a different it's it's very complicated and there's a lot of compliance to it. And so most real estate investors, it's like, oh, maybe there's something there, but it's just too much of an animal to wrap their wrap their mind around. So it took six months, got it launched, and um, you know, now we're doing really well. And it's I, I did it to solve my own pain and my own problem. And you know, now we're realizing that other investors, especially if they have a busted 1031 exchange, that there's an opportunity for them to just be ex way more efficient from a tax standpoint and have, you know, great wealth building opportunity just through our fund. And so that's how that developed. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. I, I, th I find that that opportunity zone, um, the, the rules behind it are, are it really is a, a fantastic track uh, tax strategy. Um, it's a longer hold time than some of the, you know, sort of your typical syndication type deals, but, I mean, to have no, I mean, you can take that, take that money out at sale tax-free. Like that's, that's quite a big win, um, over the long run. So, uh, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. And it's on that note too, we've set it up. I want it to be as investor friendly as possible. And I, and I approached it because, you know, I'm a sizable investor in my own fund. Um, and I have a, a fund manager that's extremely savvy fund manager that runs all the compliance and all the analytics and, and such, but, what I what what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure if I ever needed a liquidity I had that option, but without compromising the integrity of the fund. And so 
That's why we've given investors the ability every January, think of it like a one-year CD option. Like any every January, somebody can pull money if they, they want. It's not to their benefit because they lose the best tax opportunity strategy in a hundred years, but it's available. And so that's, that's how we, we set it up. Yeah. No, that's a nice option to have. I think um, having some sort of clause in, in again, any, any sort of fund or syndication to that people always talk about how illiquid re real estate is and, and there's probably good reason that it is, but um, having some way for, you know, some people to have the option to get out might be, might be a smart, you know, addition to your typical uh, PPM and or structure, if you will. Um, no, that's really cool. Mike, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears. I want to uh, get to ask you the questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, is based on the show being um, called Know Your Why. And so uh, I always ask everybody, what is your why? What, what drives you? What kind of pushes you towards um, greater and greater success? Oh, so it's a really good question. So I've, I have a First of all, let me give some background to this, but I'm my belief is that there is of the 7.9 billion people on this planet and of the 110 billion roughly that at least as far as we know, according to recorded history, have ever walked the face of this earth, every single individual is highly unique and has a streak of genius in them. And so my belief is that part of our journey on this planet is to uncover what our genius is and figure out how to productively apply it in a way that not just helps us, but helps everyone else around us. And so that's as a, as a caveat, part of what is why I exist is I've have an air. I have a strength of being able to help people see what they can't see on their own and unlock potential and possibility that is inside of them that they don't even realize is there. Right. And so that's super fulfilling to me is to help change somebody's trajectory by giving them maybe holding the space and casting a vision to help them see something and change a belief system. So that's super fulfilling for me in all areas of life, whether it is with, um, you know, the, the loan officers on our team that are adjusting their line of thinking and line of sight, um, whether it's, you know, someone on the investment front, whether it's, I really actually really like working with, with entrepreneurs that already bring certain things to the table and entrepreneurs could be loan officers too, but just in general, especially in the mortgage banking business that they already bring daily discipline. They show up, they work hard. They're people of character. Like I have, when, when we're hiring or firing, it's based off of five C's and those five C's are, is there somebody of character? Are they, do they bring a level of competence, which is relevant for the position, character, competence? Do they, do they have a level of care? that goes beyond just themselves. A lot of people are great business people, but they could care less about everyone around them. But is there a care for others also? Um, are they courageous in life? And then do they live with, um, are they coachable? So character, competent, caring, courage, and coachable. And so when I see those things in people, that's who I'm meant to invest in because I then think I can help change their life just with, some of the things that I've been through, mistakes I've made in the past or or different successes, I can shorten their I can shorten their growth. So that's a that's a big part of my why. And but doing that first um, on the home front and with my kit making sure my kids are loved and my wife feels cared for, and then expanding from there, 
that's what that's what fuels me and that's what fulfills me very nice very nice um tell me something about yourself that uh isn't common knowledge special skill a hobby something to let people know you know you a little better yeah i'm i'm uh one of the most unhandy guys you'll ever meet <laughs> it's funny because i have you know all kinds of real estate projects going um but i you know light bulbs are about the extent of my handiness which is which is pretty funny um and and, and so i don't know why that came to mind that's totally random um <laughs> it's it probably uh, as someone who has done so much diy in my life it, it probably is actually a good thing because it keeps you from uh it, it allows you to focus on the higher value projects rather than actually going out there and swinging the hammer and doing that's all right that. i i can't do any of it so i have to find a better you know who not how solution exactly no it's good i'm trying i'm actually <laughs> working very hard on that uh switching that mindset so um that's great uh when people hear this and they want to reach out to you what's the best way sure absolutely you know the um on my i have a website that's mikehardybio.com and on the website there's uh you know for the if there's interested loan officers potentially or investors i've got my churchill mortgage group an email there um or email that goes to uh on the investment front if somebody has a busted 1031 exchange or they want to understand how the opportunity zone works so i would say mike at cyrusozfund.com would be the best uh, email and that mikehardybio.com um you can see i actually wrote a story about the iron man if you're interested in ever doing an iron man it's called the journey of a first time iron man and i walk through just all of the lead up and the you know play by play and all of the things going on in my in my head as i was going through this you know this iron man experience um so uh yeah there's a there's a pretty decent summary of kind of what what is important to me and the different business projects uh, but I can certainly be uh, be reached through the MikeHardyBio.com or MikeAtCyrusOZFund.com. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes. My final question for you, Mike, what is a piece of advice you would give to someone who um, wants to get started? Uh, and honestly, you can take it in whatever direction you want, whether that be as an investor, as a loan officer, um, someone just trying to sort of find success somewhere and, and how would you sort of direct them and, and help them get started? Sure. Uh, so I think that that core four, that daily discipline is the fastest way by far to get clear about what you want and why you want it, because you have to spend 15 minutes a day sitting in silence and doing some journaling. And I think most people don't, don't, most people can't answer these questions. Who are you? What do you want? And why do you want that? And so I think that getting clear on those things and also what your natural strengths and giftings are is a first step. And then you start to apply those things in the world of business. And it should be more of a love rather than a, a chore. And so when somebody's wanting to be successful, the first thing I want to know is what would your friends or your family say is an area of strength or genius for you that is easy and natural for you and that you love and your success will way more often than not be somewhere within reach if not directly related to that answer yeah that's great that's a great great piece of advice i think um self-awareness and and really sort of sitting down and, and and answering those questions that you outlined actually 
will help you go a long way towards success. So appreciate you putting that out there. Um, listen, Mike, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and, and sharing all that you did. Um, I think listeners are going to love it. So thank you. Awesome. Jason, it's been a pleasure to spend some time with you on this uh, rainy, cold, overcast, wet California day. I really had a, a great conversation and I'm, I'm uh, grateful to get to know you as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to folks listening, um, I know you're going to love this episode. Please like, rate, and review so we can get more fantastic guests like Mike. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.